chapter 13. Um, we're going to be in there. We're going to start in verse 24 in a moment. And uh, so if you have a Bible, um, you know, turn with me. We'll bring it up on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible, period, we have them in the back. Go grab one and, and uh, take it home with you. We are a uh, Bible church, you know, meaning that we want God to speak to us through His Word. His words are way more important than my words. And, uh, and so we want God to speak to our hearts. And, um, and so uh, this past week, uh, and I can't remember, one of, one of the days I was in my garage, I came home, um, and uh, I was kind of getting my, you know, going to the, into the house, um, and I thought I saw something move in the garage. And it looked like a critter, and I paused, and I'm like, hey, what is that? And all of a sudden, I realized it was a little bird. And uh, you see all those, the, the little birds that are, you know, the winter birds that stay around here? It was in our garage. And I thought, never seen one of those in our garage. I've been in Walmart, and I've seen birds in Walmart before. I've been in Lowe's, and I've seen birds in Lowe's before, um, but haven't seen them in, our, in my garage. And so the door was open, and as I moved towards him or her, uh, they flew right out the front door, and it was no big deal. Well, the next day, um, I came out into the garage, and all the garage doors were uh, closed, only the one to go in. Um, and there's a couple other doors that have windows in, but you know everything was closed up. It was an unusual night. Everybody closed the doors. Um, and so I see, I don't know if it was the same bird, but it looked like the same bird. Um, but I came in the only open door. And so they, he was in a predicament because he couldn't get out. So what did he do? And I thought, hey, we'll see what he does. And so I walked towards him, and he flies over towards the one door that has windows, thinking that he could just go into where the sunlight was coming through. It didn't go too well for him, okay? Um, and a couple times, he bounced his head off of the glass and and, uh, and eventually, you know, I wasn't mean. I just wanted to see what was going to happen. And I kind of moved around and he flew out the window. But I, I share that story because it, I think, um, you know, we know what glass is. We know what it, why it's there and the benefit it is. But this bird did not know. This bird saw light and thought, I am going to get out of here because I don't know if that human being is going to try to do something to me. And the bird didn't understand that. But we understand that because we know what that is. And you know what? We can be like a bird in a sense, and that is there are things in this world that we don't understand, that we can't figure out. And, and I think as we're talking about the kingdom of God is one of those examples or places. Just as Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And so it's so foreign to us. It's not part of our normal, everyday thinking. Because Jesus' ways are different than doing what is natural, than doing what people, what this world naturally does. And so he is telling us stories. And so each week we're looking at uh, different stories that he uses to help illustrate, to help us understand. And these are everyday stories that, that we can obviously understand the story, but just because you understand the story doesn't mean you understand the spiritual truth that he is trying to get through to us. 
And this morning, he's going to tell us another story. And the unusual thing about this story today is that he's going to explain it. A lot of stories, a lot of the kingdom stories, he doesn't explain. We're sitting there like, okay, well, what did he mean by that? And we don't want to make his story say more than what he intended it to say. Uh, we want to understand what it is that he wants to say. And again, the parables, you, there, there's, there's one point to the parable. You know, we're not trying to make every detail in the story say something. Because we can, we, can, we can get off track when we do that. But what is the main point of what he's saying? And we can understand that from a physical perspective of the story, but what Jesus wants us to do is to get what the spiritual means. How does that relate to our relationship with God? How does that relate to Jesus is the king? And he has a kingdom. And it is present now, but we can't see it with our eyes. But one day when Jesus Christ returns and he sits up a, sets up a literal kingdom, it will be fully seen by everyone. But he is just as present today as he will be in the future. And so are we living um, in light of who he is? The first two stories that we look, looked at two weeks ago is, and they were really short, you know, the, the hidden treasure. And when the person who wasn't looking for the hidden treasure found it, what did he do? He sold everything that he had to buy the field because the treasure was worth more than everything that he had. And then the second story that he told was the pearl of great price. And this merchant went looking for this valuable pearl. And once he found the pearl of great price. What did he do? Same thing as the other guy did. He sold everything that he had to buy this pearl because this pearl was more valuable than everything that he had. And so what is the point that Jesus is making? Jesus is the hidden treasure. Jesus is the pearl of great price. And when you know and when you find and you understand who he is, then everything else in your life will become secondary. He is worthy of your life, not just a portion of it, but all of your life, and allowing him to call the shots, allowing him to be the king, allowing him to be your Lord, allowing him to, to determine how you make decisions and what you do 24-7. Whether you're at your workplace or in your home or in your neighborhood or at your school or wherever you're at, that Jesus Christ is the King. And He doesn't force Himself on you. He doesn't make you. Um, he gives you the freedom to say, you know what? Are you willing to see him for who he is? And so we're gonna, this, para, this uh, story we're going to look at is the, the parable of uh, the wheat and the tares or the weeds. I don't know, you know, you have maybe different headings 
um, in your Bible. My, my Bible says the parable of the weeds. I always heard it as the wheat and the tares. Um, and again, it's another, and again, the people there, very agricultural uh, society. They understood uh, gardens and planting and, and all those different pieces. And so let me, let me read down the story here that he shares. And he share, Jesus is sharing this story to a crowd. There's, there's, there's a lot of different people that are there. And so it's, it's, it's for all. Not every story is like that. Sometimes he's sharing stories to the religious leaders, or sometimes he's sharing stories just to the disciples. This story he's sharing uh, to the crowd, okay? And so listen, verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And so when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servant of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into the barns. And so a normal everyday story. And he's sharing this that, hey, doing what everybody does. You go out and you're planting your field. And unbeknownst to them, they didn't know as they were sleeping, they didn't know that there was something out there. There was an enemy that came in. Um, and this was one of the things as I was you know, reading different, you know, uh, this was kind of a practice. If you didn't you know, like someone, one of the ways that you would get back to them is that you would go at night, you'd go into their field, and you would, you would put uh, weeds in there. You, you, know, you would put seed in there that, and again, you wouldn't know it until what? couple months down or, you know, a few weeks down the road. Um, and you would do it because you were trying to be a bad person, to be an, an enemy. And so that's what happened. And they don't, they don't notice it right away. Um, but at some point, when things start growing, and again, you see the, the time element here, um, they start seeing that, hey, didn't we plant good seed? Well, where is this other, where are these weeds coming up at you know what why why is that happening and so they go back to the master and what does the master say you know the, their 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 recollection or their remedy for the situation is hey should we go weed the should we go pull all the weeds out and what does the master say if you do that what's going to happen you're going to affect the wheat by pulling all these weeds out you're going to also pull up the wheat. And so I want you to do nothing. I will take care of it. At harvest time, 
You just wait, and at harvest time, I will give instruction on what to do. And so, what is the point of this story? I think the point of the story is, wait for the harvest. Let the wheat and the weeds grow together. And at harvest time, the master will take care of separating the wheat from the weeds. All right? And so I think we understand that, right? Hey, great story. Yeah, that's nice. Good. Shortest sermon ever. Thanks, Steve. Let's go. Let's, let's leave. Let's go watch the football game. Not so quick. But it should be pretty quick. So this is one that the disciple, you know, the crowd hears it, and so do the disciples. And they kind of like, hey, you know, great story. And then, uh, you know, look what happens. So look down in verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. See, they didn't get it. They obviously, they understood the story for story's sake. But what they're saying is, Jesus, we no comprende. We don't get what you're saying to us. And so even in that, what do you see about the disciples? You see in the disciples that they didn't get it, but what you see is that they wanted to know God. They wanted to understand what Jesus Christ was talking about. Because this is part of the, one of the reasons Jesus you know, shared these stories was to conceal truth, but also to reveal truth. And so they are just very direct. And they ask Jesus, you know, can you explain this to us? And I think that comes back to us as we're in this series on the kingdom of God. I know I have felt it different times or I've thought about it. You're, you're, you're racking your brain and trying to say, well, what did you really mean? And I get this is so simple, but yet, Jesus, what did you mean? And so if you find yourself in that place, seeing God's hand in your life and seeing God's work is that, that you want to know what the truth is. And you'll go to great lengths to learn and to understand and ask questions. It doesn't just happen. Well, I kind of got it and I go on my merry way. Or we, like the disciples here, said, you know what? Can you explain this to us? And I think for all of us, you know, obviously church is one place. You hear a sermon, but we need, we need to be uh, sharing the truth, you know, and, and asking questions and processing that together throughout the week. You know, and life group is one place, but you know what? In our families, that's part of what a family should be. It's part of what we should be doing in our relationships with one another, discussing those things to, to get understanding of what is going on. And so the, the, the great thing about this parable, Jesus unlocks the door. Who does, he unlo who does he do that to? Does he do it to the crowd? No. He gives specific direction to those who are asking questions. Because their questions are revealing a hungry heart for God. And so that's what we see. And so he, let's listen to his explanation. Verse 37, he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. 
And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. And he, look what he says at the end. He who has ears, let him hear. And so Jesus ends here by saying, you know what? If you have, just beca- and again, this is, you know, what he's saying here is, you all have ears, but do you have, are you listening to the things of God? And so it's the difference between the physical and the spiritual. The here and now and the eternal. And so, um, and God wants us to understand these things. So to go back in his explanation, you know, and here he kind of identifies what each of the, you know, what each of the aspects are. And so here he's saying, you know, who is the Son of Man? The Son of Man is Jesus. Jesus Christ is sowing seed. And uh, what is is the seed? And basically he's saying, you know, every human being falls in one of two places. You're either a son of the kingdom or you're an enemy of the kingdom that's the you know the 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 second part and so what does it mean to be a son of the kingdom means that you've been well i mean hold your hold your finger there john chapter three there's a real simple jesus having a conversation with a religious guy and here he, he tells us how do you get into the kingdom of god John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so he's saying these words to a very religious, a very good, a very moral person. And what is he saying to them? Your goodness is not good enough to get into the kingdom of God. Because that's not how God functions. Nobody is good enough to get into God's presence. Because you would have to be perfect. You would have to be sin-free. Let me illustrate this for you. Uh, Yesterday, um, I was joking with Aileen. Aileen was in here cleaning yesterday, and so Sarah and I came in here. We had to get something. We opened up the front door. And the carpets in there were, there wasn't a speck of dirt on them. They were clean. And after Sarah and I walked through, they weren't clean any longer. Okay? So it's very hard to keep anything clean in this time when you have rock salt and all that stuff. And so what is the point? We laugh at that. But the point is that God is perfect. He's holy. And so one sin is too many for him. So the question always is, is how, in, how can my sin be, be forgiven? 
And that's the whole reason why Jesus Christ came to this earth. He didn't come to point fingers. He came to say, you know what? I will take it all. I will take your sin all. And I will completely pay for it. And so when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus here and he says, you've got to be born again, and again, here's this man who was in leadership, you know, he didn't understand what Jesus was talking about because he said, well, how do I get back at my mom again? It's like, no, no, no. You're thinking physically. You need to be born spiritually. So what does that mean? And it's as simple as you need to start over and stop trying to live with your performance, with your goodness, keeping track of all the good things that you do, thinking that God is pleased by your list of accomplishments because they will never meet God's perfect standard. And so being born again is as simple as God and through faith that he enables you to start over. It's a work of God. And once you're born again, once you are honest about your sin, once you realize that Jesus didn't just die for everybody out there, but he really died for me and for my sin. And you put your faith and your trust in Christ. You, and you're, you're born again. You become a new person. You have a hunger for God. You want to follow and obey what God's doing. Now, does that mean you're perfect? No. But it means when your worst day, you look and say, God, change me today. Make me more like your son. It's not about what we do as much as it's about what God is doing through us. And so that's what, to come back to the story, you're talking about sons of the, of the kingdom. What does it mean? It means that, that our focus is on Christ, that our focus is we want to be like our king. And we're willing to follow him. We're willing to obey him, not just, not just say the right thing, but to do the right thing. When it's easy, when it's not easy. It's the work of God. And so the sons of the kingdom, and, and, and again, what he's, what he's saying here is that we need to be the light for Christ. We need to stand out for him. But not everybody is a son of the kingdom. The truth is, there are enemies. And again, you know, in, a, in a, the conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a good moral guy, but in a sense, he was trying to be good because of his own efforts. Basically saying, God, you know what? I don't need your help. I can get to you for my own sake. And God says, no, that's not the case. That's not true. And so um, in this world, there are, uh, you know, enemies of God. And again, you don't have to be um, some deep, dark person to be an enemy of God. An enemy of God is anybody who says, you know what, God? You can be passively saying, God, I, I just, just let me have my life. I want to run it the way I want to run it. And you're really basically saying, God, you're not in charge. I want to be in charge. And so this story here, he's saying that, um, you know, and, and his whole point of the story 
is a warning to us. It's a warning to all of us. That every human being fits into one of two places. You're either a son of the kingdom or you're an enemy of God. And God is sharing this, that you don't have to stay an enemy of him. Forgiveness is offered. Grace is offered. Kindness is offered. If we're willing to listen and to obey him. And so we see that, that the enemy here, you know, the ultimate enemy is, is Satan. He's the one at work in this world, right? Do we see that? Of course we do. See it all over the place. And so, I mean, in this, and so what, again, the whole point of the story is that God is the one who will bring about the harvest. We don't have to make the focus of trying to figure out if everybody is a son of the kingdom, or an enemy of God. That's not our focus. God will take care of that. Because you know what? Even through some of these stories we're going to see, there's people that think they are a son of the kingdom, and when they stand before God, he's going to say, I don't even know who you are. Those are daunting words, aren't they? And so, um, but God doesn't want us to be insecure about that. He doesn't, doesn't want us to walk around saying, well, how do we ever know? And it's I think it's the, the way that you can really know for sure is when you are trusting and believing in what Jesus Christ did for you. When you, when you put your weight on what you do, you're always going to be like, well, did I do enough? Maybe I need to do one more thing. Is he really pleased? I'm not really sure. It creates a lot of insecurity because you really don't know. But a son of the kingdom, your focus is Christ. The only reason I'm in the arena with God is because of Jesus Christ. My faith is in him, in what he has done, not in me. And so that creates great confidence. And that's the grace of God. That's what God wants us to live by. It's totally foreign to this world, isn't it? This world is about, well, hey, if you help me, then I'll help you. And if you don't treat me good, well, then I'm not going to treat you. That's the, that's the system of this world. That's not how God relates. God is the one who should give us what we deserve, but he doesn't, at least not yet. And so he offers us grace he offers us mercy and i think even the story is the warning to us to to say you know the reaping will come there will be a time you know remember the story no you know no in the ark there was a day when the ark door went shut and the rain started to fall that god's love does not mean that he will just never follow through on his word in fact it's the opposite God's love is that he will follow through on his word. He will do what he says that he is going to do. And Jesus gives them uh, some pretty sobering words here to say, what is, what is the result of saying no to God? Down in verse uh, 40, well, 41, Son of man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace 
in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, some people will say, well, once you die, you just kind of stop existing. Is that what Jesus is saying here? No way. He's saying that every, every human being, part of being in the image of God, is that you will, you will live and exist for eternity. But where will you be? And so his description here is to say no to God, the consequence of that is that you will, you will live in eternity in pain and heartache. That sounds mean. No, Jesus is warning us. He's saying, I want you to know the truth. You can know the truth. It's a warning to us. And Jesus' last words, if we have, are we going to listen to him? Are we going to believe him? Or are we going to say, well, you know what? I'll wait till later. I'll wait till down the road. I got my way. I got a lot of things I want to do. And Jesus is basically saying, you know what? When you surrender your life to me, you will find more joy than you can ever imagine. Because God is a good father. It doesn't mean there won't be heartache. Of course there will be heartache. Isn't this world full of weeds? Absolutely. You know, I talk to some of you in your workplaces and frustrations and things and people dynamics and all the world that we live in but this world isn't the way god created it to be but one day he will he will solve all that he will remake it the way uh, he created it to be let me read the last there's one uh, last story here the parable of the net and i'm just basically going to read this they kind of go together there are some differences but uh um you know those of you you who are fishermen you'll like this story Jesus always spoke kind of in the language of the people. So look down in verse 47. He says, again, uh, the kingdom of God is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace into that place there will be a weeping and a gnashing a gnashing of teeth and so the listeners would understand this that you know once you got to catch a fish you know they didn't use rods and reels back then they used nets and so in that net came everything and so they would have to sort because not every fish is the same how many of you like fish eat fish, right? How many of you like to eat starfish? Okay, none of us. So if you get your net and there's a starfish, you don't want to put that in the bucket, do you? You want to get rid of it. Okay, so not all fish are the same. And so we, we get that idea, and that's the point that he's making here. There's a separation, that God will be the one who separates the righteous from the unrighteous. And so we don't have to go around pointing our finger and trying to make that, figure that out. But what we do need to do is to be the warning. We need to share with people to say, this is the truth. And the biggest thing is letting our life communicate that. Are we living that out 
first and then talking about it, as opposed to telling everybody what to do and our life is in complete contrast. But living it out in truth. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and uh, let me pray. Father, we thank you so much that you really understand what life is all about. And God, we thank you for the warnings that you give, that you are gracious, that you are kind, that you want us to know. And so God, I, I pray as we sing these next couple songs, Lord, that, that you don't want us to, to, to be full of fear. But God, as we read these words, we should be afraid of the result of saying no to you. It's not a pretty picture. But God, most of all, help us to know you more intimately. God, as sons of the kingdom, as daughters of the kingdom, that we would be listening and obeying you. And so we thank you for all of these things, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a couple of songs here to close out the service. Why don't you stand up with us?